0: Hello and welcome to Raising the Bar. I'm your host, Darren Mulcahy, and you are very, very welcome. Today, I am delighted to be joined by none other than Christian Dunsmore. Hello. Thank you for jumping on, Christian.
1: Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me.
0: We had a bit of a slow start. My my laptop wouldn't work, Christian's wouldn't work, internet wouldn't work, but we're here. We got here. We're getting ready to go. <laughs> we made it. Yeah. So, uh... How was all in in San Diego? Um, In in San
1: Diego? It's been, uh, like I said, it was different um, just with everything that's been going on. But uh, we're back to training. Things have opened up again. So uh, I'm about at this point, hopefully, if all things go as planned uh, and I can compete at Raw Nationals uh, this year, uh, that's kind of what I've been training for. So as long as that doesn't get canceled. That's the goal.
0: Oh, brilliant. Brilliant. Hopefully, it won't. What, what day is it actually meant to be?
1: So the official date uh, is because it's a week long or about five days. Uh, so I believe as of right now, it would be October 8th to the 12th or something like that. Uh, so it's in Daytona Beach, Florida. Uh, which will be nice because in October here it starts to get pretty chilly so we can go spend the day or the <laughs> week at the beach <laughs> a little bit so that'll be nice so my goal is to compete
0: and then lay on the beach chill out
1: yes exactly
0: brilliant um hopefully it goes ahead now we we we'll get to that as we go through right but um just for our listeners Christian like you were saying it wouldn't be a podcast unless I asked you about your background <laughs> and who you are and so on. Every, every podcast, I'm listening to like two or three podcasts today and every one starts the same thing. So yeah, if you would not mind giving us a bit about yourself, um, your education, powerlifting because I know you're a highly educated woman and obviously a very highly competitive powerlifter. Um, yeah, and I, I always laugh when I see San Diego. <laughs> I always pronounce it like San Diego. Have you ever, have you ever watched Anchorman?
1: yes he yes, says I san diego
0: funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny the way sometimes you relate stuff to different things every time i see san diego
1: how it's pronounced, like the official uh i don't know if it's latin or um like a spanish but the uh the translation is the whale's vagina
0: apparently
1: <laughs> and i had no idea so every time i'm like san diego like you know, the, the history, that's the official translation of San Diego, so I'm like, oh, great, like, that's cool.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's that, that's in the movie as well. That's oh, all, is it? Yeah, that's how I kind of remember it as well, yeah, So San Diego, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, okay, so a bit about yourself, uh, Christian, for all of our Irish listeners that uh, might be familiar with your background and so on.
1: Okay. So I guess I'll just start from the beginning. Um, My background, uh, so I do have a master's degree in exercise science. I did my undergrad at the University of Tampa uh, in exercise science and then I went back to school to get my master's degree or my graduate degree at Syracuse University. And that was in exercise science as well. And that's kind of how I actually got into powerlifting in the first place was when I was in my undergraduate Uh, schooling and I was taking classes and I had a professor who I was just really interested in what he had to say and the best way that I could describe him was he was a bro with a PhD and I was like this is super cool like he's so awesome he's such a meathead but he's a smart meathead and so I, uh, I asked him if I could work in the lab And so he let me, and so we were working at the time. We were doing research on uh, a sports supplement. And so part of the training protocol would have them squat, bench, and deadlift. And so I would do the workouts myself, and I was like, this is really cool. Like, this is fun. This is, um, you know, I'm strong. I'm good at it, I think. Uh, The first time I ever put – I ever tried squatting, I squatted, I think it was 75 kilos – and this was not to depth, it wasn't uh, It wasn't pretty, it was in squat shoes, I would have totally gotten red lighted. So when I say 75 kilos, it was I put 75 kilos on my back and I bent my knees a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's kind of how I discovered what powerlifting was because in the US, I don't know how it is in, in Ireland, but it's not a mainstream sport, it's not very big outside of the powerlifting community so you don't really hear about it unless you're involved in it and there's also different federations there's like 10 different federations and so the one that's the ipf affiliate is the usapl and i had no particular reason as to why i wanted to do usapl it was just the one that i knew about um and that was the one that people were talking about so I said, uh, you know, this is the one that I wanted to do. And I think my first meet was actually in January of 2014. And there were maybe three or four girls in the entire meet that were competing. So this is how far powerlifting has gone since then. And I won my first meet, of course, against four girls. And I fell in love with it immediately. So that's kind
0: of my, my story Brilliant. of how I got
1: powerlifting.
0: Uh, That's, that's class. So like only had three girls competing and now, and I'm sure it's the same in America. There's like, there's waiting lists to get on to competitions now. Like is, that's the case in Ireland. I can only imagine what it's like in, in the States. Um, it, and it's true. The sport has grown so much in what's that? Six years? Yeah. 2014. Yeah. 2014. So yeah, that's been six years and
1: it's, it's cool to see the sport grow, not only as a federation or as a whole, but to see the amount of women that are actually starting to compete in the sport. Like I said, there was three girls, three or four girls when I first competed to now. I, I don't know the exact percentage, but I think it's something like 60-40. It's not, you know, it's, it's pretty balanced, which is kind of cool to see.
0: Yeah, actually, just as you said, I think in Ireland, it's it's, it's very close to like 50-50. I think oh, it's, really? It, yeah, it, 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 it's definitely something similar to what you're saying, 60-40. Um, yeah. I think it's amazing. I think it's brilliant because, in my opinion anyway, there's less opportunities for females to play sports. So. And like powerlifting is a sport, and yeah. that it's it, 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 okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No real, real sports people probably look at powerlifting and go, "No, that's that's just gym training." But to, to us, it's a sport anyway. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs>
1: um,
0: yeah. So, and even even like more recent than twenty fourteen, even like the last year or two, have you noticed like the explosion of how strong women are getting in powerlifting? Because I certainly yeah. have.
1: Uh, so it's actually really interesting. I think in, so when I first got into powerlifting, I was a 63 kilo lifter and I've, I've moved up to 72 since then. But when I first started, I think my first nationals, actually my first nationals was in 2014 as well. And my lifts, uh, I placed third at that meet, of course. So 63, that's when Jen Thompson was, Oh yeah. you know, Jen Thompson so she won of course but it's even interesting to see her numbers that I think the numbers that she hit in 2014 I don't know if she would have even placed top 10 in 2020 at those numbers and so it's really interesting to see even for my list back in 2017 I believe that I totaled uh, I can't remember off the top of my head, so I'm going to make up a number. But the number that I uh, in 2017 when we competed at Raw Nationals, so the top three lifters was uh, Jen Thompson, Sam Calhoun, and me. So and actually Sam Calhoun and I uh, we tied. And I think that our numbers now three years later wouldn't have even made us. I don't. Need, we have primetime sessions okay. in our you know there's like the top 10 lifters so we do prime time and I don't even know if our numbers would have made it to prime time this year last year so well, that's how competitive
0: we've gotten since then just in two years and that's and like that probably that probably applies to to males too right but like I think the the discrepancy like how much women have improved is mm-hmm. like it, it probably surpassing men that way like the the rate of progress probably is, probably, is the best way of explaining it is uh-huh. just astronomical like and to think yeah. that jane thompson um who undoubtedly is one of the greatest female powerlifters ever they think that she wouldn't have yeah. even placed in the top 10 or so now if she were to compete uh, with sorry with that total of 2017
1: your old numbers. she's still competing yeah, yeah. she's gotten since then but those numbers back in 2014 wouldn't have placed her so it's it's crazy to see how Number one, the number of women that have started competing in powerlifting. uh, And then just how strong, I think, women, we've surpassed kind of like our perception of what women's strength, like what we're capable of. And I think that's really cool to see. And even if, uh, do you follow Miss Amanda Ann?
0: Yep. Um,
1: If you look at her and she's a, I think she competes as an 84 women's. It she's squatting more than some guys. Yeah, and definitely, it's it's crazy to see, and I think it's super cool that women are starting to embrace strength as opposed to
0: fearing it. Yeah, and and it's important that like like women are doing this and they're athletic and they're lean. I think one of the big kind of barriers for women joining strength sports is this fear of becoming bulky and like it's easy for me and you to say well it's not going to happen because we understand the science behind it but for them it's still a real perception whereas if if they look at the likes of you and the likes of jane thompson and you know amanda amanda lawrence and loads of lifters in ireland and england and across the world they you know they're at optimal body like healthy body compositions and they fit the bmi and all that so like we're you're getting both strands of it. Cause yeah. Like, would you, would you agree that like maybe a couple of years ago, the perception was powerlifting for men and women? Like, it was kind of, they weren't the most athletic-looking people? I could be yeah. wrong. Yeah, so I think
1: the, the, the caveat to that is, uh, I think, like, you know, there's these two different federations. And I think that we have two very different physiques. And so I think that when people would think of powerlifting, because... The IPF was not what it was, that it what it is now. That people would think of the these other federations as this is the this is what power. or I'm going to say multiply. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, this is what powerlifting is, and uh, so people ask me, and I'm like, no, that's not what I do. Um, so it's really hard to explain otherwise. Um, but I think as far as what you were saying about the perception of women and being bulky, like I was there before, before I kind of understood, um, you know, like exercise physiology and the science behind training, I was of that mindset, uh, that if I'm going to lift weights, I'm going to get bulky. So when I first started in the gym, I started on, I was a cardio bunny. I started, you know, I ran, I was on the machines, and I barely lifted any weights. And that was because I was afraid that I was going to get bulky. So I was there. And I understand women, uh, that fear. And I kind of, you know, I, uh, I guess you could say trusted the process as I was learning. And I'm like, Okay, well, I'm gonna start lifting weights. I don't know what's gonna happen. But you know, It was like, if I get bulky or if I feel uncomfortable, then I just stop lifting. And it just, that never happened. I never felt like I was overly big or bulky. So uh, I think it was, okay, I can do this and I'm strong and I enjoy it. Uh, And I still have a feminine physique, I think. So um, I think, you know, for women out there who are afraid to start lifting, I think that you just have to do it. Um, and to to trust the process along the way
0: yeah and definitely once women take that first step or that first you know undertake a first training block mo- most of them fall in love with it like we have a strength conditioning facility here and any women that you know commit to commit to the, our powerlifting programs or just our general snc programs w- within a month they they prefer it to the old old running or the spin classes or the kettlebell classes or you know all that stuff is good too it has it has its um, it has its place but more often than not like if we talk like the most important thing to be successful if you want to be healthy is probably going to be adherence what can you stick at over a long time and if you actually just really enjoy something and most people when they get stuck into strength training they're going to enjoy it you know Um, and and even powerlifting there's very little people i've come across anyway that do their first meet and go nah, i never want to do that again you know, they they always yeah. want to do always want to do more and get better and get stronger. Like so, it's it's like a nice addiction you get.
1: <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, so actually, when I had first started, um, it took me about three years to actually. Like, so at the time when I had started, uh, social media wasn't really a thing. I didn't really have outside of maybe YouTube videos. They didn't really have a lot of information on powerlifting, so I didn't really have a lot of assistance. I just had to kind of, you know, I, I didn't have a coach, I didn't have a, a group of people that I could train with. This was me on my own. And so it took me almost three years to actually grow a pair to actually sign up for a meet. And then, like I said, like it was four girls, like no one cared. They were just there like having fun, probably having drinks in the, the locker room or something. And, you know, just having a good time, but it just, I didn't know any better. I didn't know what to expect and so I was really nervous and so it took a while for me to actually yeah to to do a meet and I remember the night before I didn't sleep I barely ate I was like I can't do this I don't want to do it and then I did the meet and then I was like oh when's the next one like can we go again
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah
0: yeah and, then, and so yeah it's, and, and there is the minute that somebody does a meet they their hook like and and then you have to explain to them no you can't do a meet every month you have to do one once every six months or <laughs> you have to space yeah. it out and they're distraught and um, that's probably the hardest thing actually is trying to for people to stay patient with it because do you know what uh,
1: when you start it, it starts off that way and then as you continue competing and training and the the experience level and i'm like okay i, I can do two meets a year i'll
0: stick <laughs> yeah. with because <laughs> they, they are exhausting like to peak up and to didn't you know, come out of it again it's 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 mentally and physically exhausting that's what i find anyway and like you there is literally you do need a a, a certain phase of just um like not focusing on a competition yeah totally um, yeah and with regards like you said for the first couple of years you were kind of on your own and 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 then i believe you came in contact with with, with juggernaut and chad wesley smith was he mm-hmm. your was he your first coach or uh so i actually
1: before i had actually gotten into powerlifting i was friends do you know who uh, ben esgro is with yeah. the strength yes, this the strength yeah yeah so he was a good friend of mine and he had actually given me programming but he didn't actually coach me he would just give me the workouts and i would do them and then i would come back in 6 weeks and be like hey can i have my next training block um so i would consider him my first coach but we didn't really interact as far as uh, like tech. I just did my own thing and he gave me the workouts. I actually met uh, Chad. So right after nationals in 2014, I had qualified for the Arnold. And so I was training for that. And then I hurt my lower back. So I ended up not competing for two years, um, but I still went to the Arnold to hang out, but I wasn't competing. And that's actually where I met Chad. Uh, he we started talking about training and I was telling him about my back and so he had actually reached out to me after I met him and was like, you know if you're interested in coaching and uh, you know like uh, I would love to work with you and help you and so that's how I got in contact with Chad and Juggernaut and that was in 2015. Uh, and it would still actually be another year and a half before I actually did my first meet back. So I didn't compete again until December of 2016.
0: Okay. Um, you might be asking, <laughs> what, what, what happened to back?
1: I think it was just there's no uh, immediate injury. There is nothing that happened traumatic. That there was no traumatic injury. I think it was just uh, over time. Like I said, I didn't really have anybody there. So I didn't have any way to adjust programming. I just did what I was told to do. And if it said AMRAP until you die or something, <laughs> you know, like that's exactly what I did. I'm all in. And so, <laughs> <laughs> and so I think it was just, over time, Me, I started having issues that I just, I, I ignored. And then I would continue training without making any modifications and so I think that over time it just my my body just kind of couldn't handle it anymore uh to the point where you know I couldn't even lift a a empty bar without being in pain so it took me I think it was about two years but also two years of doing stupid things too in between because at the time I didn't know any better so um, you know, trying to come back too soon, or just trying doing stupid things in the gym. That you know, knowing what I know now, I probably would have done it differently. But I think I needed that experience to be like, okay, Kristen, you need to like smarten up a little bit. This isn't gonna work.
0: Yeah, and there's there's, there's nothing more frustrating than an injury. And you know, like like you like I've made tons of mistakes with injuries, and you go in, you learn, and you gotta educate yourself. And you're like, what? Why did I, if I hadn't done that, I'd be back perfectly perfectly you know training as normal now but hindsight is great but as you said it, it does it does become very useful when you're coaching and uh, like you you are a coach as well and interacting with people that kind of knowledge is is so important and I think the I think like the, the perceptions around injuries maybe three four or five years ago is so so different to what it is now um like I it's had like, like Dr Jacob Harden I don't know are you familiar with him he's uh yeah. based in Florida. Yeah. Yeah, it's like. He, he was on yesterday and we were talking about the, the the science of pain and stuff. And it's just like, it's, it's, it's so, it's so advanced. Like, no, it, it, it has, it's gotten to the, to everyone at this stage, you know, whereas before that information was in amongst, you know, just the guys doing the PhDs, whereas now everyone, like, like myself, you know, strength conditioning coaches have this knowledge as well. Like, so it's, it's definitely improving. Um, and like, would you have any tips for people that are, you know, that pick up like knocks and niggles or injuries along the way? Any any advice you'd give to them, um, Christian?
1: Yeah. Uh, well, number one, I think there's there's a difference between aches and pains. You know, where a typical ache and pain, where we're power lifters, you're not going to feel great all the time. That's just the nature of the sport. But I think that people need to realize that there's a difference. That like, I feel like crap as opposed to there's something wrong or something's feeling off. And once you get to that point, I think that it's important to, number one, to take a step back, don't ignore it, uh, to go see a specialist. Um, you know, I have a, an understanding of, of pain science and, and you as well, but when I was hurt, um, the sex, so I actually, I got
0: hurt again <laughs> 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 <It's okay. laughs> You're not selling it.
1: (laughs) It's the nature of the sport. It happens. You know, you could have, like, a perfect technique, perfect prep, but, like, just sometimes, like, pain injuries happen. Anyway, the second time around, (laughs) the second time around, I ended up, I was like, okay, uh, I don't know if you know about my past last year, but I, I won nationals, so I competed at IPF World for Team USA. Uh, I squatted 70 kilos on the platform, and that was over 100 kilos less than what I had uh, squatted at nationals, and that was due to uh, a pain. I literally had a pain in my ass.
0: <laughs> like it was,
1: Literally. And so after that, I was like, you know what? I, you know, I have to do something. And I'm not an expert. I don't pretend to be an expert. So I need to go talk to someone who's an expert in that field. And that's exactly what I did is um, I started working with his name's Michael Ray. And he's a a barbell medicine rehab clinician. And so I worked with him for about six months uh, until I competed most recently, uh, at our, our Arnold's this past year in 2020. And that was kind of my comeback meet, I guess you could say. And, um, I think a lot of times like as lifters, we, we pride ourselves almost to the point that it hurts us. So we don't want to seek outside additional, you know, seek additional help. Um, but I think that that's a, That's going to hinder you in the long run so one of the things that I did I was like I'm not an expert so I'm going to an expert and he helped me get back to the platform
0: yeah definitely trusting someone with um as you said like just a qualified professional and yeah it's It's important important because injuries are part of it like injuries are part of like you play any sport there's going to be injuries so like we get one or two injuries a year in powerlifting. Like it's, it's not the end of the world, you know, but it's, as you said, yeah, it happens. It's part of the, it's part of the journey, but learning like, okay, might not have to learn everything about injuries, but at least learn where to go. At least have somebody you can trust and you can go to and go, Hey, uh, I'm in, I'm in a bit of bother, need a bit of help. And they can put you on the right way. I think that's, that's important because probably people that get into the sport and they get an injury, I can understand how they could get spooked by it a little bit. Um, Yeah. Yeah, and like, look, it's not it's it's not to be worrying about sports hap- or injuries happen in every sport. But just reach out, get someone, get someone you trust, and go from there. And yeah, I I, I was actually in I, I I was in Sweden last year when you when when you competed. Um, you you, you had a very impressive bench, though. Did you did you medal at the bench?
1: I know, okay, bench. Uh, yeah. yeah so <laughs> So one of the things was because i couldn't really squat or deadlift the way that i wanted to so we really pushed bench and so i benched 110 kilos which i think kim walford also she benched as well so i was fourth but her and i benched the same but because she out me she won I,
0: I i knew you were i wasn't too sure if you got hurt i knew you were there, or there about that's why i asked um, yeah. I knew you were up in that battle so that's fantastic you're one of those people that benches more than the squat <laughs> <laughs> Well, <that'd> be, yeah. <laughs> I, how, how is the glute injury now Christian is it, is it is it pretty much healed up
1: yeah so I don't I don't even know if I would call it an injury at this point because it's happened almost two years ago um, I think that it's just a, a sensitivity that I just need to Uh, overcome so when you were talking about pain and I think a lot of times you know five years ago you would think of uh, pain as having a physiological injury and I think now we know that that's not necessarily the case that you can still have pain without injury and this is kind of like beyond my scope of expertise so I won't go into detail but I think that what I'm experiencing is not so much the uh, an injury it's the sensation of pain um, and so at this point, it's psychological. And so, how do you overcome that psychological pain? And these are these are questions that you want to, want to ask, like experts. <laughs>
0: yeah. they're actually. It's actually you actually explained it very similar to how Jacob explained it yesterday about about sensitivity. And again, I was asked him, "How do I numb that sim- sens- sensitivity or sensitivity in somebody?" And and it, it's complex. Like you said, it's it's probably outside of our scope. These guys are doctors for a reason. And, and, yeah. Uh, and
1: so- but yeah, the only way that you can desensitize is to do the movement. Um, but I think that mistake that people make was that they'll like overload or do too much too soon. So desensitize as far as, you know, like even just doing, like for me, it was squatting that was an issue. And so when I was working with my rehab clinician, he would have me squatting, um, but he would have me squatting at a low load and at a tempo. Um, and I'm not saying that this is, you know, this works for everybody, but this is they were have like my issue with squatting, and they were having me squat.
0: Yeah, and exposure exposure to the load is probably the yeah. fastest way back to the old the old thing or not the old thing. But like, what a, what would be common in kind of team sports is is to to rest it, to ice it, and then start stretching it. And yeah, yeah and you t- yeah, exactly. Avoid avoid the thing that put you there. um but yeah, thankfully we've we fast tracked now, and everyone has this readily uh, information at their hands, and it's great. You know what I mean? It's only going to make things like we were talking about how how fast powerlifting is progressing. Like this sort of information is only going to keep fast tracking stuff. Do you know what I mean? Um, so. I think
1: it's that. Uh, I'm sorry. No, you go on. <laughs> uh, how you know as far as sports science that powerlifting is starting to become involved. And so, you know, I was starting to see research in, you know, powerlifting. So it's no longer just the mainstream sports of like American football or football, (laughs) 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 a.k.a. soccer. Um, But so there's research in powerlifting as well, which I think is really cool. So we're becoming, I don't know, a mainstream sport, but popular.
0: The way I always try and sell powerlifting is it's for a competitive gym goer. <laughs> if you like yeah. going to the gym and you and you're there's a bit of a competitive side to you, whether it be with other people or with yourself, powerlifting is probably meant for you. Now, bear in mind you don't play any other sports, but uh, yeah. So and it is it is like science is becoming more and more in powerlifting, and even if you look at like all the like the you know some of the top coaches, they've they've doctor in front of it or like yourself. MSc and do you know what I mean the, the more and more educated people are coming into it and um, so just to change gears slightly Christian right so as a coach um, would you have like a, a coaching philosophy or a style or things you like to do with your athletes or what way do you like to approach um, training people or coaching people?
1: That's difficult because I would say it depends on the lift so the way that I coach a beginner is very different than the way that I coach uh, like an experienced lifter so a beginner um, is more about just like learning the movements so a lot of them is more strictly like squat bench deadlift um, not very not a lot of variation just because I want them to get used to the technique Um, and then as I as they become more comfortable with the training um, then we can kind of experiment with you know, other, other variations of lifts. Um, but I think with like an experienced lifter, it's very different because in an off season, uh, I may not have them doing, they're doing competition lifts, but that's not necessarily the priority. And I think that's number one for, you know, to avoid, uh, burnout mentally, because I I think, you know, squat, bench and deadlift is, can get boring (laughs) after a while. So I think mentally uh, lifters need a break Um, and also it kind of gives you a chance to work on areas of, I don't want to say weakness, but areas of improvement. So you can kind of um, deviate from the competition lifts a little bit more. Um, So I wouldn't say, I mean, obviously, like, so I work with Juggernaut. um, So my training philosophy is going to be heavily focused on like the Juggernaut training systems method. Um, which they focus a lot on like a lot of volume and hypertrophy in the off season. Um, and then as you get closer to the meets, you start focusing on, you know, like strength and going back to the competition movements and then a peaking block. Um, and so I would say that that's the style that I would fo- like, I guess the follow follow se. Um, but as far as like, yeah, the programming in and of itself, it's going to vary between the individual.
0: Yeah, and I'm I'm pretty familiar with, with Chad's work as well and he was probably the, the first person I kind of um like learned about his coaching styles and I I really do like the way he breaks things up, like a hypertrophy phase, a strength phase, and a peaking phase. Um like there is a lot of coaches nowadays will kind of be more of like they move away from this periodization and they kind of take it week by week. Um yeah. but I I still think that like like period like periodizing or just putting certain certain phases or an emphasis in each phase i think it's going to serve most people join me i I think it's really important as you said it's like like a mental break as well like moving away from the competition movements because they do get boring after a while i don't care how good you are at them they're going to get boring like so if if you have a hypertrophy phase and we're going to say okay we're going to work on i don't know like high bar squats for a while or safety bar squats and it's just a novel stimulus it's something different whether you're good at them or you're bad at them it doesn't matter it's something different
1: Yeah. And I think too, you know, with that being said, it's like, if you're not motivated, it doesn't matter how great a program is. Like you could have the best written program available, but if it's, if you're not enjoying it, if you're not pushing yourself, then it's not effective. Right. Like, so I think just, and it and even with like his program, you say like periodization. So it's not like we're doing solely hype. Like, it's just like the focus is hypertrophy or like the focus is going to be strength, but we're not i mean i get, in a sense it is period, uh, periodized but not in the way that <laughs> you <laughs> would think i guess if that makes sense
0: yeah it's it's slightly different than the the block periodization where in a hypertrophy phase they just did between 12 and 8 reps and then in a strength phase they just did between 6 and 4 whatever it was and then like it kind of undulates, or you know, from from day to day, and there will be like. But there will be a specific focus, and I think having a specific phase or time of the year where we're not going to focus on competition movements. I'm not too pushed if you actually get stronger, but I want you to keep enjoying it, keep training, keep the adherence high. I think that's so important. That's so undervalued. Like if you look at, again, going back to other sports because obviously one want powerlifting to be up in that bracket, but like they all have an off season. They all have a phase yeah. where they don't have contact with coaches. They don't have contact with players. They have a phase where it's their training is very, very different. That's that's so important for powerlifters too.
1: Oh, hundred uh, percent. That's so actually. Um, after <laughs> I did a period of, uh, so I was uh, doing a strength and conditioning internship at uh, one of the universities here in San Diego. Uh, they're a Division One. Uh, track and field and so the head coach was actually a like two-time Olympian back in the 80s and so she knew that I was a powerlifter so she wanted me to train her or we would train together and in return that she would let me uh, she would train me in track and field Mm -hmm. and so it was I had this was like an eight-month off season so I did this for maybe you know eight weeks or something but um, it was fun because number one, it was completely different than squatting and benching and deadlifting uh, and two, I sucked <laughs> these, like elite athletes that you know these track and field that look so angelic, and then there 's me running like, do, 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 do. <laughs> like you know, so they got a like uh, a good kick out of watching me uh, practice, but I got. I wouldn't say good, but I was new. So, you know how you have the newbie gains in powerlifting? Well, it's the same (laughs) thing. It feels like kind of good. And it was just, uh, I had a few people reach out to me and they're like, why are you doing this? Why? Like, this has nothing to do with powerlifting. And I was like, well, it's not about that. It has nothing to do with trying to improve my, like me as a powerlifter. It's me, like mentally, I needed to take a step back and enjoy lifting again and the only way that i could do that was just to not lift but i couldn't not work out so that was kind of like a way to give myself a mental break
0: yeah i agree and it, it, that's cool and there's loads of those stories like i don't know do, do, have yeah. you watched the, have you watched the last dance on netflix
1: no oh
0: get on that's it it's, yeah. it's on the chicago bulls
1: Oh, with Michael Jordan. I've heard of it, and I know I'm guilty. I know. I've I haven't watched it yet. I will after after this podcast. I promise I
0: will. It. Yes. It's, yes. it's amazing, and everyone's – it's really good. But, like, at one stage, like, in the middle of Michael Jordan's career, like, he takes a break from a year and a half of basketball, and he starts playing baseball, and he he actually oh, – okay. he he gets really good. Now, I, I actually thought he played baseball after he finished basketball, but it's actually in the middle of it. He just – like I, There was a couple of things happening in his personal life, but he kind of, for whatever reason, needed a change and went playing baseball. So there you have the best sports person, in my opinion, of all time, okay? So if he goes through a phase in his life where he needs a change, like the people like me you know, and you and everyone else are just lifting weights, every now and again, a change from the competition lifts are so, so important. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and if Michael Jordan can do it, well, I can do it too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and it's important, like, whatever whatever kind of makes it more enjoyable for us, like, whatever it is, just just to move towards that. Things think that's just so important. Whatever whatever, whatever you enjoy about training, whether it's, okay, I like doing arms at the end of my session, just move towards that. If you like going yeah. on the bike for 10 minutes in session, just, just do that at the end of the session. You know what I mean? Put in what you enjoy. I think it's one of the most important things.
1: Yeah, and I think a lot of people and a lot of coaches too, for that matter, kind of overlook that component to like their athlete as they overlook, you know, the the mental side of powerlifting because it does take a lot out of you. I mean, people, you know, it, it's simple, but like you have to. How many times do you have to hype yourself up to go to the gym or like when you hype yourself up? But you can't stay in that excited state forever. You know, there's gonna be a point in time where you're just burned out. And so I think that it's important for athletes and coaches to to recognize that, you know, and hey, this person might need some something, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> whatever so, that's yeah.
0: some downtime. And as you said, like learning learning your your athlete, uh, the, treating them individually will be very important in that. Like what works for you mightn't work for me. Um, you know, and vice versa do you know what I mean so it's, it's learning the person as an individual is really important and uh, just just something Christian have written down here to come back to it um, we were chatting about you mentioned earlier about like uh, how powerlifting isn't a mainstream sport in like American schools um, mm-hmm. but what, what what level is it in like so in like a secondary like a, I, I don't, I'm not too sure what you call it but like college and your secondary schools um, what, what level or what degree does powerlifting play there
1: Uh, So it would be considered a club sport. Okay. And the only, it's a club sport, but only in some universities. So not every school has a powerlifting team. Um, You know, the way that uh, American football or basketball, uh, you know, there's almost every university will have at least some team. Uh, powerlifting there are club teams but it's not every school
0: okay and and would certain states be more uh fa- have more favoritism towards powerlifting or is it all kind of universal is texas a big powerlifting state
1: yeah yeah because yeah. they, cause they, they uh, texas a and M, I i believe they actually have a powerlifting team um so I I don't know about the state of Texas but I would at least say there's a, definitely a, a powerlifting presence in in Texas. Um definitely California probably the bigger uh states. more popular states. 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 I don't know as much about, you know, like I don't know if you know the geography of the US cuz even I don't sometimes. it. <laughs> 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 yeah. like our, like the middle of the US, I don't know how that plays out as far as um are lifting, but I could be wrong, so don't quote me on that
0: <laughs> yeah i don't know i don 't know where I heard it, but like I was told before that there was like like there's weekly competitions in in the states like there would be like weekly school competitions i don 't know was there any truth to that maybe it was kind of Chinese whispers I was hearing
1: <laughs> yeah i don't know about that i would i don 't know about I mean you could probably find a week, uh, meet almost well could before everything happened because I think yeah. a lot of things canceled um but i think you know like if you live in the state of new york there's probably a meet that you could find every month like within the state itself um i don't know as far as like weekly meets for powerlifting because that just sounds like a lot to me yeah but again maybe i i have no idea i could be wrong so
0: yeah and again if like like we were saying in the context of someone probably competing twice a year there probably wouldn't need to be a, a meet every week anyway you know it's it's not that popular just yet um yeah I, I
1: don't think it's possible
0: no um whoever taught me that damn you <laughs> but uh yeah but like you when it comes to like growing the sport i think i would love to see more of it in schools and you know like as an accepted sport like as opposed to yeah we just go powerlifting because i didn't make the the football team or whatever i think if when it, when it does come to the point that we see people in sports regularly i think that's you know it'll even push the standards even further
1: oh 100% yeah. i would love to see and it's growing like i said you know it's it's definitely bigger than it was 4 years ago even 3 years ago uh, even like since last year, I think that the sport has grown. So it'll be interesting to see in five years from now how how different the sport is than it is right now. Because I I do think that we're we're still continuing to grow significantly.
0: Yeah, it's it's mad just to think like how strong can people actually get? How strong can people that are you know drug free using a small bit of a knee sleeve? And a belt around their waist. How strong can they actually get? um it, it, It's crazy and it's actually frightening. And you look at some of the lifters, like male, female, big, small, indifferent, they're just crazy the numbers they're doing these days. It's yeah. so exciting. It's very exciting.
1: And in five years, will those numbers even be relevant?
0: Yeah. Now, the other side to it is we could look back in five years and go, we were in the middle of a golden era of powerlifting. And maybe, like, because there is only so much you can. Oh, I could be wrong. I think there is only so much you can push a human body without adding some sort of like, you know, PED to the to the to the scenario. Um, but it'll be so interesting over the next five years. God, God, knows what's going to be happening. You know, it's 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 going to be mad.
1: It'll be it'll be interesting for sure, and I'm excited to see hopefully the growth of this sport. So, uh, and be good.
0: Yeah, it's going to be cool. It's it's uh like we probably are in the middle of a golden era and we don't realize it as much because, you know, you're, you're stuck in the middle of it and uh, kind of, you know, you're working on your own training and getting things right. And and for yourself, Christian, is is the USA Nationals the, the focus at the moment? Um, do you you're not yeah. do any, any any mock meet or anything before that?
1: I probably would do some sort of, uh, either a mock meet or even potentially just go to a local meet just to get some uh, competition under my belt and then um, I mean I wouldn't say peak for it but just to to do the meet Um, but that's still up in the air like I said you know with everything that's been going on around the world um, everything's been cancelled as of right now it hasn't been cancelled but I mean it could change in a couple of months so we don't know so as of right now that's the goal Uh, hopefully it stays that way and if it doesn't then you know I'll find the next meet
0: yeah on to the next one and the american nationals <laughs> is probably the most viewed powerlifting competition in the world i really? i i definitely after ipf world it has to be up there as the next most um most watched it's it's is would you normally stay for the full week it
1: depends on the location so this year it's actually in a good location last year uh, two years ago it was in spokane washington
0: okay that? Exactly. That's, just bo- that's, just bo- that's just boring, <laughs> is it?
1: <laughs> it's in the middle of October, it's just there's not much going on. Okay. Where this year is supposed to be in Daytona Beach in Florida by the beach. So uh, I think I would be more inclined not so much to hang out at the venue, but just to kind of explore the city
0: yeah that's that's cool and it's 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 like a once in a lifetime thing I suppose to get a to get a week off there with your friends and stuff and after competing it's 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 nice like isn't it spend some time and catch up
1: I love uh, the the best part I think of a meet I mean obviously it's just competing but I think it's the relief that once it's over and you're like and hopefully you did well or hopefully you won but you you know you you worked your ass off to get to this point, hopefully you did well, and now you're gonna celebrate with your friends.
0: Yeah, and you, you seem to have a really good relationship with um, your, your your team members, like, uh, like Marissa and Chad and Max, you all seem to be like, y- you get on quite good.
1: Yes, uh, like we're, we're like family, like I consider Marissa and Chad to be, because uh, my parents are all on the East Coast in New York, so I live in California, and, I don't get to see my family. So Chad and Marissa have kind of taken me on as their, I don't want to say child, but (laughs) they look like they're, you know, they look out for me for sure. So I appreciate them.
0: Yeah. And I guess having that team, that's another thing I want to kind of talk about. It's like that team, that team bond or having that sense of belonging to a group. It it makes the powerlifting journey so much easier, doesn't it?
1: For sure. A hundred percent. Because we all have the same, mindset and the same understanding and we understand each other and we understand, you know, the sport. So, I mean, I could probably talk to my other friends, but they wouldn't really understand what I'm going through because they haven't experienced it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. And yeah, as you said, like juggernaut is, is, is really becoming a force with, the, with regards like, like coaching and stuff. Um, and I, the newest, the newest kind of thing you brought out is the powerlifting AI is the Oh yeah. Yeah. That seems to be the newest um just 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 method or different form of doing it. And a lot of science goes in behind it, doesn't it?
1: There's a lot of Excel formulas <laughs> <in> behind it. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um
1: yeah, way beyond I'm not an Excel geek. So uh I think Garrett Blevins is the one who's created that, but it was kind of off of like the juggernaut training method. So it's kind of cool. Um, I'm actually running it right now just as a I don't want to say guinea pig, but just to see how, um, you know, running the template is compared to Chad coaching me directly. And this is probably a great time to do it before I get into my peak. Um, and it's only been three days, so I can't really give a, an opinion on how performance has been. Um, I'll probably, leave, you know, make a post in the next like 12 weeks or so to see how my training went. But yeah, right now I'm actually using AI programming.
0: Cool, cool. And the AI programming is on the, the Juggernaut website. Um, and just the, the last one, just on the Juggernaut, you, you provide like um, like obviously powerlifting, but you do power building as well. So that's kind of more where we focus kind on of like on body composition. Is that right?
1: Yeah. So I think powerlifting, the way that we explain it is uh, it's supposed to be a powerlifting, power building blend. So you're still incorporating the squat, bench and deadlift. But it's not the, with the focus that it's not to get necessarily stronger in those lifts. It's to have those movements within the program um, and still focus. So it'd be more like a more volume. So it'd almost be more like a a off season powerlifting program um, where you're focusing on. Yes. So more volume, more accessories, um, with the goal of improving your your body composition and your physique, um, but still including the main movements.
0: Yeah, that's cool. Um, that's really cool. And there is people out, like a lot of people out there is, will venture towards that. And the person that comes to mind is, is Russell Orhee, and he's a big advocate of like a powerlifting program. And he, you know, he he looks the part and he, he walks the walk. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's a brilliant avenue for people to go down as well yeah um okay christian i think we've 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 covered the most of it um thank you very much for jumping on um i really appreciate it and even though we had a, a rocky start to get going we we got going and there was some really
1: well. i appreciate your <laughs> patience with everything i know that we had a schedule before this and that didn't work out so i'm glad that you were able to accommodate so i appreciate oh, that thank you no
0: thank you, no thank you for giving up your time and christian if people want to to find you, um, just for a chat or for coaching where, how how would they do so?
1: So if they're interested in coaching, uh, we do offer the, like the AI, um, powerlifting, but I'm not really involved with that because it's more of like a a template. Uh, but if you're interested in one-on-one, you can find my name, uh, on the website and you just click my name and we can do one-on-one. Um, if you want to find me, so my main social media is on Instagram. And it's K-R-I-I-S underscore D. <laughs> Hopefully, I don't know why. <laughs>
0: Hard to find. <laughs>
1: but thank you for having me online. I really appreciate it. And I hope that you guys are staying uh, safe out there in Ireland.
0: No, thank you. Yeah. yeah. Same to yourself. And thank you for coming on, uh, Krishna. I really appreciate it. And between now and when I chat to you next, best look with all your training and stay safe. Thanks Thank for tuning, on, tuning in, guys. Take care.